Jay, a lot has happened in the uh, week the, since we spoke. First off, the lockout ended. Then on the first day of spring training, one of the first things that was said was that Fernando Tatis Jr. had fractured his wrist over the offseason, and he's going to miss at least the first couple months of the season, possibly longer. Even for, for all the other stuff that's going on, and the Padres start spring training games tomorrow as we tape this on uh, Thursday, there's a lot to talk about, including what the Padres haven't done, what the Dodgers have done. We have to start with what the Padres have lost. Yeah. I mean, there's no other place to start, especially when you see the, as I think I mentioned to you the other day, I mean, the, or, or earlier today, the Padres have not added a bat while they've lost their best bat. That was truly shocking on, was that Monday? Yes. When we found that out um, yep. three days ago, it feels like so much longer. Um, but that one was like, Whoa, that sort of came out of nowhere. And I mean, there's so much, to dive into with that. And there's so much wrong with it to me. And I I've been a, a proponent of this on, on our podcast for as long as we've done it. I always start by blaming the player. Obviously Fernando Tatis Jr. Should not be riding motorcycles, should not be falling off motorcycles, but he shouldn't be on a motorcycle to begin with. If he gets hurt riding a motorcycle, he should get it checked out by people connected with the team, which we found out was allowed that they could have had a doctor, check him out. So is the team to blame somewhat for that? I would say yes. I don't know how much. I don't know how much the Padres could push a doctor to go down there or what, but it seems like if you have a $340 million investment, a guy who has been somewhat, okay, not somewhat, he has been reluctant to be honest maybe, but certainly not to take care of his injuries as has been recommended by medical personnel with the shoulder. I would think that you would want to get a doctor on a plane at some point and have him check out Tatis just to be sure, hey, we know you said there's nothing really wrong with you, but, you know, why don't we take a look just to be sure? And they could have done that three months ago. This is a three-month situation, and he could be taking soft toss in the cage right now or something like that, or maybe he'd be taking – he might be facing live batting practice. I mean, I don't know. Yes. We don't we don't know. And whenever it could have been done, but it sure seems like at some point in this three-month period between Tatis, his people, the Padres people, somebody had to get it figured out that something was wrong with this guy, and they shouldn't be taking any chances. This old, well, we'll you know, it seems like it's okay. Well, seems like isn't really enough in this situation, and now. You know, I can't imagine Tatis is happy. I can't imagine the Padres are happy. I can't imagine any of his teammates are happy. We know the fans aren't happy. So I, I don't, I'm not sure what else to say about it other than the Padres are, you know, going to be missing their best player for the first two months of what I consider to be an extremely important season for them. Yeah, I don't think you said anything wrong, Jay. We don't know exactly who knew what when. We don't know what was said on the phone. But when right. the Padres medical a uh, person, a doctor, um, spoke with Tatis's people. And I, I don't know that Tatis was spoken with, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, it was during the lockout. And I think that that plays a part in it. I, I, I have a, I find it almost impossible to believe that had it not been the lockout that the Padres wouldn't have insisted Fernando Tatis Jr. fly to San Diego, or sure. they would not have gone down there uh, to see him. Now, should they still have? I think it's very simple, especially in hindsight. 
to say, yes, I do know that other team doctors would have. They, 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 they would have asked more questions to find right. out what really. And when you find out what this injury was, this is an injury that is commonly the scaphoid fracture, that it commonly occurs when trying to catch yourself from falling. And an experienced orthopedic surgeon, uh, an experienced team doctor, I'm sorry, I've, I've worked with a lot of them before. I'm, I'm close with one who worked in the NFL for 20 years. And despite what many of our listeners happen to think about uh, David Chow, he is a brilliant, brilliant orthopedic surgeon and team doctor. And, and I guarantee you that he would have been down there and asked the correct questions. And I've talked to other team doctors, again, who concur. Reluctantly, doctors don't like to talk bad about other doctors. Sure. And I also tread lightly because... None of us are doctors. I know on Twitter, there's a lot of people that know foreign policy and inflation and, and, and epidemiology and, and all that. But, but I do think that we all have some valid questions about the questions that the Padres asked. And, and I also think, the, I, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I think the Padres history plays into this. You know, over the past several years, we've had so many instances of mostly pitchers, but even other players as well, where right after someone's hurt, it's always, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, he'll be back in a couple of days. And the next thing you know, some pitcher's having Tommy John surgery or he's out for a, a couple months or something like that. And I just think that there, there, there's sort of, I hadn't thought of this until now, just listening to you, there's sort of a pattern there with the Padres. And maybe it's the same way with other teams. Maybe it's not. I mean, obviously we don't follow other teams anywhere near as closely as we follow the Padres. But it just seems like there's this history over the past few years. The Padres have a lot of instances in which their initial diagnosis or at least their initial public announcement about an injury is way off from what it turns out to be. And some of that is the fact it's unavoidable. I mean, look, you and I get hurt doing whatever, playing pickleball, playing golf. The next day, the next two days, it feels a little worse, a little better than originally it did. But at some point here... You know, the Padres, I, I don't know, it just feels like they make a lot of mistakes or at least publicly lead people in the wrong direction. And there's a lack of, uh, f there's not enough forthright talk coming out of this organization sometimes when it comes to injuries. I will be interested in, a, in actually in a lot of areas, but in a particular injuries with Bob Melvin as the manager. Um, right. Bob Melvin, you know, a manager is the primary public spokesperson for the team. Jace Tingler was afraid of his own shadow in many instances. And that is something that, you know, A.J. Preller has made him that way. Uh, mm -hmm. Andy Green, there was a lot of tension there about what should be said and not said. Bob Melvin has managed for 17 years in this league and is 60 years old and has been <laughs> to the playoffs seven times and um, or six times. I don't know, but certainly far more than A.J. Preller has. And already those of us who cover the team can tell that there's a difference in terms of Bob Melvin has no problem saying what Bob Melvin wants to say, not hurting mm -hmm. the team, but sometimes right. you can actually say something and, and uh, give fans some information without it maybe costing you victories. And, um, you know, some of this uh, Jay isn't, you know, like medical malfeasance or, or something. Um, it sometimes is, they just don't want to tell the truth. Right. Uh, I think it's then, a lot more that than, mal than yeah. malfeasance. Uh, right. In, so, uh, but these are all valid questions. I don't know that, that some of them will ever be answered, but 
you bring up, a, I don't have much more to add to, to a lot of the points that you brought up that are questions that have to be asked. And the bottom line is this, be it the lockout, um, be it, uh, you know, Fernando not being as responsible as someone who is on, you know, whose team guaranteed him $340 million, put the hopes of the franchise largely on his back, uh, not being as responsible as he should, um, you know, uh, inadequate uh, response by the Padres for whatever reason. Uh, they're in a bad way because of it. Right. And which brings us to the next topic, which is what do they do now? And, you know, the obvious answer is Hassan Kim plays shortstop. There are other options available. Jake Cronenworth can play shortstop and Kim could play second, although that doesn't seem to make too much sense to flip-flop them. Um, Cronenworth, you know, can be at first base sometimes. We've talked about before. And that leaves second base for maybe, I don't know, Bjorkson Profar. And then there's CJ, the whole CJ Abrams story in there. Is he really ready to step in and be a big league contributor at this point? I don't think that's a question either one of us can answer. It's certainly not a question that any anybody out there sort of outside the Padre organization could answer. And even inside the organization, I'm sure they don't. They don't know where is C.J. Abrams in his development. Is he better off? Do they put him at shortstop? It seems like that's where they're going to work him right now rather than try to change positions with him. Well, that's the thing. Right. Right. Does he get some time there and splits time with Kim? Does Kim get the first shot? And we see if he, you know, if a little bit of his improvement later in last year carries over. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, none of those guys is going to replace Tatis. Certainly not offensively. I mean, Kim right, is but a, the guy who does can't hit two hundred one like uh, Hassan Kim yeah, did last year. Exactly, and, and can C.J. Abrams hit better than two hundred one at this stage in his career when he has not played very many games as a probably? But do they want to do that to him when the long term development, getting him to play every day at the AAA level, uh, is is probably what's going to happen? Uh, right. They do not expect that C.J. Abrams is going to have. A, the type of spring that would justify him being on the roster or showing that he's ready to be on the roster. And, and they think that that's largely because of his interrupted season last year, that they, they believe very strongly in this guy, but he just, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. It would take a well, monster spring is what I'm told. Yeah. He will work at second, which, which if he had a chance to make this team, it probably was at, he will work at short. If he had a chance to make this team, it probably was going to be at, at, at second base. So right. Hassan Kim at the start and see how it goes. I saw Hassan King swing today. I, I'm, I'm not a scout. I'm not a coach, but I know a bad swing when I see it. And it didn't look any improved from last year in terms of the ability <laughs> to catch up to velocity. We'll see. It's going right. to be, uh, you know, games, there's only going to be 18 games. And and then, you know, guys are going to be out there trying to win jobs. So it's going to be a little different. Like these games still don't count. We don't care. But there's guys out there trying to win jobs like right away. And and so I'll look forward to these games. But that wasn't encouraging what I saw today, nor from what I have heard from people about his swing. And I think there's a, a case for, you know, with Abrams where you still have the injury factor as well, where he hasn't stayed healthy uh, for, you know, for a full season, for whatever the, for whatever the reasons. Uh, and the other thing is about this lineup, you know, this lineup already has some pretty dead spots in it unless guys show improvement. I mean, you know, behind the plate, is somebody going to hit, I, you know, that you're starting to talk about where there's guys going to be pushed when Tatis is there, everybody shuffles down a spot in the order, you know, without him. Now you've got, you know, the catcher's, 
down there. You've got the uh, obviously you have the DH where they don't really have a DH most days uh, other than rotating guys. And one of the guys that are going to rotate isn't going to be around now. So it's clear to me, at least, that this team needs to add probably not just one bat, but two. And they, you know, they missed out on Suzuki for whatever the reasons are, you know, I, I don't know. He, he liked the other place better. I mean, I, I you know, there's a lot, a lot of, of money. Yeah. And I don't know what the Padres were offering. And I don't know that what he got is, is going to prove to be a smart investment. Um, but I, I guess, you know, time will tell on, on that, but uh, it's, it's clear to me at least that the, this team is short on bats. You know, we'll see what happens with the pitching. I mean, they've got a lot of guys that look like they could be pretty good if they stay healthy, but they still need to score some runs. The Tatis injury complicates the trading of Eric Hosmer to a certain extent. Look, you still trade Eric Hosmer and you figure it out after that if you're if you're finding a partner and, and it all works out. But it was pretty simple before. Slide everybody over. Um, right, right. And, and, and you got no problem there. Cronenworth goes to first. Um, and, and, you know, but you've got to get something back. So, yeah, you're right. Two bats. Listen, they're going to get a bat. And, and I'm not sure who it's going to be at this point. Is it Austin Meadows from Tampa Bay? Do you, do you? which I was told it wasn't going to happen, but I haven't checked in a couple of days. I, I don't know if the market's gotten that bad. I still think there's a lot of players out there. Um, do you bring Tommy Pham back on one year? I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to get a bat. To me, it starts where you started. One of the keys is catcher. Is Austin Nola healthy, and is he the player they thought that they were trading for? My gosh, they were so excited when they got this guy back at the trade deadline in 2020. He came here probably hurt the foot. Um, He's really never played healthy here, and that is a void. I mean, this has been no better than Austin Hedges uh, offensively. So that's a big issue, especially what you said. You just moved everybody down in the order. So – Seven, eight, nine, it just, my gosh, it just, especially now with the DH, it, it looks like a void still. Again, unless a couple of these guys maybe, you know, perform the way that we would have thought they were going to perform a year ago. Well, Trent Grisham is one of those guys. <laughs> there you go. You're counting on Trent Grisham. Is yep. he a, does he count as a bat or does he count right. as a guy that's, been, you know, that you need at the bottom of the order? And right now, that, that's, a, that's a huge question mark and at least in my mind i mean well, who is it besides manny machado and jay cronenworth yeah and, he, and i mean i'll be honest i i like cronenworth a lot but he's yeah he's i, I he wouldn't call him a question mark. last year yeah i wouldn't call him a question mark i i think right. he's a legit guy and and obviously machado beyond that i mean who's your next best hitter will myers when he's, when he's yeah, well i was gonna say i yeah, probably is will myers you when can he's make wrong, the argument. when he's going it's, it's uh, Trent Grisham. You've seen the chart that will run at some point here, Jay, where at certain points last year for extended periods, every guy in that lineup was red hot. Right. Unfortunately, it wasn't at the same time. And they were also, save for Machado and Tatis, for extended periods, ice cold. Right. So I can, you know, probably not a very fun argument to have who's the third best hitter in the lineup, but we could have that argument. But the problem is we'd be having that argument. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it shouldn't, at this point, it shouldn't be an argument and there's not even a real good answer at this point, or at least a definitive answer for, for that. I mean, Austin Nola, he needs to be the player they traded for. They gave up a pretty good amount to get him and a couple pitchers who haven't turned into much. So, I mean, is that going to be, although 
No, you're right. There are two of them so, are here, and or well, actually only one came in that trade. They made so many trades with Seattle. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dan Altavilla well, is I not guess here, the, and Austin, Austin Adams, Adams is. Austin Adams is another question mark at this point. Um, you know, based on last year, but but yeah, I, I you don't want that to be like another you know sort of a black mark on Preller's record, but that could go down as a really really bad trade if if Nola doesn't develop into the catcher they thought he was or Austin Adams, you know, turns into a closer or something like that. And again, that's, that's another thing. Speaking of closers, I posted a story right before we started recording this um, included in there was some more talk about the Nelson Lamette as a closer, which to me is fascinating. It's not the first time. I don't even think, I think it's not the first time we've discussed it, but it seems like Bob Melvin and company are, are serious about this. Obviously, there's one enormous, there's two questions I have about that. One is his mental, how does he handle it mentally? Because we don't know. That was the thing that separates guys that can close all the time and can't close all the time. How do you bounce back from a blown save? How do you bounce back from two blown saves in three days? That sort of thing. The other thing with Lamette is how often can he pitch? You know, can he go back to back days? Can he, he certainly can't expect at this point that he's going to go back to back to back days. And so if he, I don't know that you can just say Denelson Lamets, and I don't think they would do this, Denelson Lamets are closer. They're going to have to have a couple of options back there. Drew Pomerantz is a great option, except as you also wrote in that same story, he's not going to be available for at least a month or so. I, your most turnkey guy, and I'll be doing a story because every guy, not every guy, there are several guys in that bullpen that you could make an argument for being the closer and then have a butt next to their name and have just as many things to say about why you wouldn't be comfortable with them being a closer. Right. People I've talked to agree with me, which makes them right. No, <laughs> it actually should scare the heck out of you. Uh, but but um, I floated the theory that the most turnkey guy, that's my turn, is Emilio Pagan. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. But last year, trouble throwing the ball down the middle and not finding the strike zone, one or the other. Right. Um, right. Now, also had stretches in which he was incredible. But we can go down the list that we don't have to. I, I would not be surprised, first of all, if they sign somebody. Um, I honestly haven't heard the name Kenley Jansen. I, I have no idea. Bob, they're going to go with a closer. They could go with two. There are a lot of teams that have guys who get 20 and 20 or, you know, that would be a great scenario. You get 40 saves, 20 yeah. and 20 or, or, you know, 20 and 15. Um, the points you made about Denelson Lamette are, are really it. I will say this. I don't think anyone's worried about Denelson Lamette's confidence. He is a badass and he, he knows he's a badass. The, the confidence thing would be in the elbow, both his own confidence in it and people's. Everyone has to be comfortable with his elbow health. So we'll, you know, we'll have that answer by the end of the spring um, in terms of whether he's healthy to start the season. Appears that he will be now. The thing is, you know, the guy who pitched in 2020, I think all of us were kind of thinking maybe this is a closer in the future, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he wasn't going to continue to be a Cy Young starter because that stuff is unbelievable. A lot of it's strikeout stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy who pitched last year, albeit he was really far more concerned with his health couldn't throw strikes all the time and you can't right. have a closer in there not throwing strikes. Well, so, that's the Austin, and that's the Austin Adams situation. I mean, there's time, there were times last year where you looked at Austin Adams and 
he was it's like oh this guy's the next closer until and he hit that guy in the head in miami yep right right it but the question is like is he is he over that 32 appearances without an earned run and i think there were maybe a couple unearned runs in there 32 yeah. appearances now he'd hit 10 guys he'd walked a few but he'd also struck out five times as many as that and he was virtually unhittable a word that's thrown around he was and if he did give up a hit he struck out the next two guys right but you can't you can't set a record uh, uh in major league baseball for hit batters while throwing 41 innings uh and be a closer you just can't do it no, I mean, it's it's still, of all the amazing things that we've seen, that is way, way, way up there on the list that he could have hit that many that many guys in that few number of innings. And yet, I wouldn't give up on him. No, no, I no, mean, no. The, 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 stuff is, the stuff is way too good. And and you hope that in the offseason that he had, and and look, I I don't know who, who someone like Adams talks with or anything, but you would hope maybe he saw a sports psychologist or something where, you know, he talked about that situation where he hit the guy, I think it was with the Marlins, right? Yes. Um, in the, in the head. And, and it did seem to throw him off. And, and uh, I, that's something that you hope that he can get over. Now, some guys can never recover from that. And that's understandable. I mean, that, that was a, that was a horrible situation. And I, I see where that would really throw you off mentally. Let's and give Austin Adams hope- the benefit of the doubt. And he sure. says that he doesn't, that that didn't, even though he told me the next day it bothered him and other people have said it bothered him, he said that wasn't the big deal. It's that that delivery he has is just super whack and and it's difficult to repeat, okay? And it is. I watched it again today. I'm like, that thing's really something. <laughs> well, he, Mackenzie Gore, Emilio Pagan, these are guys you bring Ruben Nieble in for. Yep. Um, so uh, maybe that helps. They certainly are banking on it. So, but yeah, that closer thing is is absolutely fascinating because they actually they do have candidates, but no one that you a contending team says, "All right, cool, we feel really good about this at the start right. of the season." Actually, they will say that, but the rest of us will say, "We'll see." Yeah, and and it's funny you talked about delivery hard to repeat, and my first thought was, "Okay, now we can segue into Mackenzie Gore." who you mentioned anyway, and he will be on the mound tomorrow when the Padres start their truncated spring training schedule of 18 games and facing the Mariners. I apologize if it's, I don't know. Is that on Fox or Valley San Diego? It's televised. Yes. It's a televised game. So anybody can, can watch, watch for themselves and see how Gore looks. Um, I'll be at the basketball tomorrow. I might have to dial that up on the computer and, and take a look at how uh, at, at how he looks. But I, I think that's, you know, you talk about, oh, it's the first exhibition game. And even with only 18 of them, it's still an exhibition game. But I, I think there there is more interest in Mackenzie Gore than almost any other Padre. Uh, I, I, have, I have numerical evidence for that yeah. in terms of stories that get written and the readership in those stories. People want this guy, well, I'm assuming people want him to succeed. At least Padre fans do. Never quite sure what if some fans would just assume have him fail so they could blame AJ Preller for something else. I don't. I don't know. But I, I would assume most fans would like to see him succeed. But they're also sort of running out of patience. And you know, there's been you can come up with reasons why he struggled the last couple of years. But at some point, you know, he, he needs to show that he's if he's going to be 
what anybody thought he was going to be. And if he's going to contribute, you would think you would hope it would be sooner rather than later. And it, maybe it starts tomorrow. I don't I don't know. I'm also not going to write him off if he has a crappy outing tomorrow. But it will be interesting to see how he looks. So where we are, um, where I think all of us are sort of tired of talking about prospects and how good they look and and, and all this. Um, but where we're at with Mackenzie Gore, the best I can say about him is that after a year of no one in the Padres organization trying to convince you that, you know, they still thought he was no, you know, can't miss. They still, you know, held him in the highest, you know, Tatis level regard. They still thought he was a future Cy Young winner. No one tried that. They, they shrugged. They talked about his problems. It was actually really telling how not concerned, but just what is going on and, and, and everything was being put into this kit. Um, and now they're excited again. I don't, no one's talked Cy Young, no one, but you can see that they are legitimately excited again. That is at least he's repeating his delivery. He did get to work with Niebla. He is a conscientious kid who uh, did, you know, put things to practice over the off season. He is his velocity is back up consistently. He was around the plate in uh, his live batting practice. Saw it with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the 99. I saw him make minor leaguers look like they'd never hit a bat before. So that, I mean, this was really good. That's all we can say. Um, right. If he throws two right. perfect innings, that's all we can say. Though this, he has, he did not, he has not performed very well in spring training games. So if he does perform really well tomorrow, then maybe it's a sign. He's not going to be pitching for the Padres at the start of the season. He's a starter. He needs innings. You know, I don't think it can be underestimated how much the, you know, COVID, uh, you know, affected him, took away a season of his development. Um, he's mm-hmm. only 22. Um, but this is, as you said, this is a big, this is a big time for Mackenzie Gore and the Padres. One other guy I wanted to ask you about, just because if, if you've mentioned him in your stories or even your tweets, I haven't seen very much, but I was just thinking about the rotation, Mike Clevenger. What, what has, what have you seen of him? What are people saying about him and his health? Um, I mean, we, we had the good, the really good story last week from, our old friend Annie Heilbrunn about him and Musgrove pitching in the park and or in the backyard in Galway with Dominic Johnson, who I covered in high school. Not that that makes either one of us old or anything, but what have you seen out of Clevenger so far? And by the way, people on the Padres have talked about that story and, and how informative it was and, and, and <laughs> that sort of thing. And so that was cool. So check that out. And Clevenger looked really good today. I will say this, and I forget who it was, big, huge minor leaguer Rodriguez. He took Clevenger deep, like four pitches later, Manny Machado uh, hit, hit a bomb. Other than that, I think Clevenger struck everybody out and he was throwing hard and he was unafraid. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the most important thing that means the elbow is sound. The right. expectation right. is that he would, you know, he's a lock. There's four guys in the uh, rotation that are locks. I happen to think there's five that Nick Martinez didn't get an average of uh, $6 million to, uh, to, and that very player-friendly contract coming back from Japan to not be the fifth starter. And there's only 18 games. There's only like three starts for Chris Paddock or Ryan Weathers to try to take it away from him. So right. uh, it's, well, I think all five spots are, are set, and Mike Clevenger starts the season. And we've seen that Weathers is very valuable out of the bullpen as well. I mean, Paddock, he is a guy who could, unlike right. Gore. Right. Right. Paddock is another story for another day. We've gone on, I think, long enough because we know we can't talk about Chris Paddock in a minute. Uh, It takes up way more time, uh, way more time than that. So 
anyway, should have done this probably a day or two ago, but we put this together uh, last minute. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope everyone has a good weekend. And uh, Kevin, we'll do this again next week. Absolutely. We'll do it probably, what, once a week during the spring, and then we'll get to our every series uh, schedule during the season. Have a good one, everybody.